Welcome to the workroom. I'm Lila. I'm Garsang, and we're two psychiatrists excited to chat about mental health and our journeys in medicine. Come get curious with us. We're back. We are excited to jump in today for session number two. We had so much fun with recording our first episode, so we're excited to do it again. So what are we talking about this week, Lila? Well, Garsing, <laughs> this week we're going to talk about choosing a specialty. Ooh, very yeah. important. Mm-hmm. It's like the, the thing. What it's are you, the thing. Like from the moment that you start third year, people just say to you, oh, what specialty are you interested in? Mm-hmm. And just, I remember being like a scared third year, just like, oh my God, how do I answer in a way that pleases every specialty and also shows that I'm have some idea what I'm doing even though mm-hmm. I didn't at that stage it's such a balancing act as you're going through clerkships because you want to be interested you want to come off as really interested mm-hmm. no matter how you feel in order yeah. to feel like you're doing well and at the same time yeah it's a act of do you disclose what you want to do or mm-hmm. not or just keep it vague and say oh I'm just I'm going through the year learning yeah. What was your approach? Were you vague or specific? I was specific because I knew I had a set path into primary care. So mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm doing medicine. And I didn't have any kind of negative reactions. So I still went, yeah, went through clerkships without too many issues brought up to me. Yeah. What about you? Um, I was hardcore family medicine, I think, from the beginning of third year of med school. And people did have a lot of reactions to family medicine. Mm, like what? Like, how could you possibly know everything about children and adults? Or um, kind of martyring, like, oh, good for you, but I could never do that. Mm. That kind of reaction. Or like, that's sweet. Like, kind of like deprecating a little bit. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting because, like, family medicine is one of the hardest specialties if you have to know everything, a little bit about everything. It really or is. Or a lot about everything. It really is, yeah. And I, that, the other statement makes me feel like, I have sort of reactions to that of, like, that's awesome and I could never do that. Mm-hmm. Like, all the surgical subspecialties, I yeah. could never do that. Yeah. So just for backup for non-medical people, so when you start med school, Most people have no idea what specialty they want to be. Some, like, pipe dream idea. Mm -hmm. For me, it was OBGYN when I first started med school. And then, for most people, first two years, you're in the classroom. You don't really have any idea what specialty you want to be because you're just memorizing and learning things. And then third year, you spend a month to two months in each of the specialties. And that's kind of when you decide. And that's when everybody asks you. What are you going to be? It is like the what are you going to be when you grow up question of medicine. 100%. Yeah. So one thing that is interesting is is that, and that I realized as a med student, is that residents and attendings love to give advice. Absolutely. Have you found that? Absolutely. Are you that kind of resident? Like, do you love giving advice? Absolutely. You do? I just, I think I see med students and I just want the best for them. And mm-hmm. so I love hearing about what they're interested in and how the process is going and um I think yeah it's a deep urge to uh want to be helpful and want to kind of clear the path for them and make it easy for them to like go about deciding yeah um that's so interesting though because like your advice giving comes from a place of care (laughs) and I don't know if you've been on the receiving end of advice but sometimes 
it doesn't always feel like that, even if that's the intention of the advice giver. Have you had an experience like that before? Well, I'm I'm totally an advice giving resident too. I can't yeah. like it's like it's like a disgusting habit. I can't stop once I become a resident. But but when I remember receiving it as a med student, it felt like like someone would say, Oh, what specialty do you want to go into? And I would say, OBGYN and they would say, Oh, oh wait, but do you do you know about the hours? Like have you realized like can you be awake at night? Like mm-hmm. and, and then they would tell me a story about their struggles with staying awake and how mm-hmm. they realized OBGYN wasn't right for them. And it did feel like care. Like they were like, Oh, I really want you to know and not make a mistake. Right. But it felt so strange because I was like, But you don't know anything about me. Yeah. So your advice tells me a lot about you, but it doesn't help me right. at all. Right. Um, I think that's the tension. Like, in so many ways, the path is very similar. And we feel like, oh, we must know exactly what a med student is thinking. Mm-hmm. And yet, we don't know them that well. Yeah. So our advice is probably not that helpful. No. Where do you think that comes from? The urge to, like, share our experience with this med student in wrapped up in, I guess, ostensibly, it's to be helpful. But sometimes it's unsolicited. So, yeah. like, Why? <laughs> Oh my gosh. I don't know. I literally, I have to like sit on my hands, like, or like cover my mouth physically to keep myself from doing it. When, cause when you have somebody sitting next to you and they're listening to you and they're so interested, it's hard to remember to focus on them. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that the, because of the hierarchy of medicine, you have this person who's listening to you right. and maybe even asking you for advice. And it, I think I find it always much more useful when I'm in that seat, when someone asks me questions and then I come up with and realize what I'm trying to figure out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, really make it kind of centered on them. Like, well, what what are you about? What are you interested in? What yeah. do you want your life to be like? Yeah. Kind of like a patient-centered approach, but like with, with colleagues or yeah. like younger colleagues. Yeah. Have you ever had advice that you felt like was just not on the money at all? Like it didn't resonate for you? Um, I don't think, nothing comes off the top of my head, but I, I didn't often ask for too much advice. Mm. Um, although I, to be fair, I guess it's the piece I did receive was when I made that switch from primary care to psychiatry. Yeah. And that was end of third year? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, like six months before graduating, basically it was when I was getting through the process and and it felt so last minute and I, I was asking like should I do this like am I rushing into things or yeah so and I didn't get specific advice of um like you should consider xyz specialty or but it really just general but helpful advice that you are making a decision that could affect the rest of does affect the rest of your life Mm -hmm. um kind of setting on a path so like take your time if you need Mm -hmm. to take a little more time to feel more sure of your decision like do it like what's another year or so in the Mm -hmm. grand scheme of things Mm -hmm. so that's one thing that I benefited from yeah (laughs) just take your time to kind of really think about it Mm -hmm. that's interesting because I'm realizing that's a different kind of advice Mm -hmm. it's advice about how to make your own decision yeah like process not content yeah (laughs) rather than do this specialty, do that specialty. Right. And that might be the difference, like that kind of advice might yeah. be the meaningful advice. How about you? Have you received uh, unhelpful advice? Yes. 
it's making me wonder whether it's a gender thing too. Mm. Like I tend, I think as I tend to ask people a lot too. And so mm. surprise, surprise, I get a lot of advice and I wonder if, I wonder if there's a gender piece to it, but um, yeah, it makes me think of, of a moment on my, on my, on one of my rotations, um, my, one of the surgical specialties, there was a, um, a surgeon who I, she was an incredible surgeon and I really admired her and I had no interest in being a surgeon. Um, but I think she saw my, I guess, intensity and ambition and was like, and kind of related to me. And so I remember she sat me down one time and she said to me, she was like, I can see that you want this. Assuming that I wanted surgery, right? And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't want this. I'm just like, I can see that you want this and I can see you have, you know, that kind of energy for this. And I just want you to know, she's like, I got to a point in my career when I realized as a surgeon and as a mother, I couldn't have everything. Oh, and wow. so I had to choose an easier subspecialty because of that. Um, and so she was like, you might think where you are right now that you can have everything, but you're going to have to make choices because you really can't have everything in oh, this wow. specialty. And I f- like, yeah, I know as I say it, I'm like, it, it was so personal to her. And like, she was really letting me into this moment for her and I'm, I'm touched. Yeah. And it really had nothing to do with me. Yeah. Like I didn't want to be a surgeon. I'm not a mother. And, um, and it scared me. I was like, I can't have everything. <laughs> like, I, I, I think, I think there is some truth to that. But even in that moment, I wasn't at a point where I was realizing that or nor was I ready to hear that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of felt like a moment where, yeah, the advice giving sometimes when it, when it requires making a ton of assumptions about the listener can right. be, can kind of lead you astray. Yeah. That's a really interesting experience, and that sounded so profound and, like, vulnerable of her to actually share that, like, oh, there's a piece of regret, like, oh, I didn't realize that I couldn't, I had to sacrifice X, Y, Z for this career. Yeah. That story reminds me of, like, or makes me think maybe this is just this, this urge to give advice as a way for us to relate to, like, our colleagues for one step um you know behind us yeah um because it is very natural to kind of talk get excited about a trainee like oh what are you thinking about doing and yeah um it's it's a common experience and so ultimately it's down to a way for us to relate to to others yeah yeah I think it's a subtle shift where like that surgeon's story I still remember it it meant a lot that she shared it and I think if it had been phrased as here's something I'm dealing with in my moment in my career let me tell you about it mm-hmm. without any assumption that we're the same or that I'm dealing with mm-hmm. that or that I should learn something from that. Mm-hmm. Then I would have really taken that in. Yeah. I think there's something in the advice that's like, don't make the mistake I did. Right. That's really intense because you have to know a lot about a person to think that you know the kind of mistakes they're going to make. Right. And like we get really little snippets of people mm-hmm. at work. We don't know that sometimes. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's because there's not enough um, kind of space in our day-to-day to talk about our experiences. And it's just like share our stories because I, I don't know, like yeah. how often does a surgeon get to kind of talk about their, um, their career tra- trajectories and experiences with navigating to how they got to where they are yeah. now except for maybe in, in kind of these conversations. Yeah. So. Right. To me, it does. It, I think you're totally right. It feels like 
when I feel the urge, it's an urge to process too. Mm -hmm. Like when I was going through this as a med student, I felt like I had to be so private about my doubts Mm. because I was being evaluated. Mm. And now I made it to the other side. I want to talk the ear off of a med student. (laughs) You know, like it's kind of this misplaced processing opportunity. And in a way you're also creating space for the med students. Because as you said, there is anxiety um, sharing when you're being evaluated, sharing too much of yourself maybe in the process of you as their um, supervisor in that moment, um, sharing about yourself, consciously or unconsciously, you're, you're creating some safety in sharing. Mm-hmm. If there's some vulnerability in what you're sharing. Yeah. So what, what should uh, or what might medical students want to consider when they're like choosing a specialty? Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> so even with the caveat of advice being hard to take, there were some things people did say to me that really stuck out in my mind as helpful. One of them was, and I heard this over and over again, make sure that you like the most boring parts of your specialty. Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? Absolutely. Of course, get excited about something in your in the field of um, choice, but also like 90% of the time you're not, you're going to be dealing with kind of the routine quote unquote or the bread and butter Right. That makes up a lot of your time. You should get excited. You should be able to work with that and expect to work with that every day. Right. It's it's like for the surgeon, like make sure that you like gallbladder removals and appendectomies just as much as you like this like massive X lap emergency Mm -hmm. thing. It's been a long time since I've done surgery. I think that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Did would that play a role for you in when you were deciding between medicine and psychiatry, the boring parts? You know, I think, looking back, I, I don't think I really gave it much thought, even mm. though it is really, like, I think a helpful piece of advice. There were moments when sometimes in medicine there's kind of only one right choice. Like, you follow the guidelines, you follow the, the treatment algorithm. Yeah. And the, the, the interesting piece in medicine, from my perspective, is, like, the diagnostic work and, like, mm-hmm. figuring out what is happening mm. and then going down the right path. Yeah. In psychiatry, I feel like even in your day-to-day, you're always, like, taking in someone's story and really trying to filter what is the piece that they're specifically asking for help or, mm. like, how can, or thinking, like, how can you be helpful yeah. in um, working with their cognitive rigidity and, and et cetera. So there's a lot of ambiguity. And what, it, is, what is cognitive rigidity? <laughs> <laughs> I think in general terms, it's, it's just a fixed way of, thinking or approaching mm. a situation mm-hmm. without and, and having difficulty considering like another side or mm-hmm. another, um, so you're aspect. working with that when you're speaking to somebody some yeah oftentimes I think a lot of us um, have set ways of thinking and it it is hard to think about another way and that's why we're feeling stuck mm-hmm. so there's that like figuring out what to um, making meaning out of a person's story mm-hmm. and then also thinking like there's a lot of different approaches to um, helping someone feel better like there's so many different therapy modalities and stuff so mm-hmm. so that's what kind of drew me to psychiatry but I completely went on a tangent off of the point of like what was the most boring part of psychiatry and I don't I don't know I don't know if I have an answer to that <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think what you were saying is related, though, because you're talking about the process through which we come to help people. Mm-hmm. And in medicine, there's an algorithm and a treatment framework, and there can be a lot of detective work and creativity in that. Yeah. 
and in psychiatry, it's navigating the story piece right. and that you were drawn to both of them but ultimately mm-hmm. chose psychiatry way, I guess. Yeah. I think the boring, what people say the most boring part of psychiatry would be, and I don't think this is boring, I would say the most common part of psychiatry is treating depression. Mm-hmm. Like that's our bread and butter. Yeah. Um, and I don't find that boring, personally. I think mm-hmm. everyone's depression manifests really differently, comes from a different place, gets better in different ways. So it's really different. Mm-hmm. I think with medicine... It's hard to admit this. I still don't want to admit it, but I found a lot of parts of it boring Mm -hmm. and I felt a lot of shame about that Mm. because I really believed in it. Like, for example, diabetes care, I found like I had zero interest intellectually in it, Mm -hmm. even though values wise, like I believe so much in chronic care and management and like have seen the outcomes of people with diabetes, not like not having that kind of care, not having that kind of primary care person there for them so like I, be- I could not believe in it more and the practice of it to me like I, I was so ashamed of it because I was like I really want to be interested but like it would be like like that lecture like for sure I'd be in the back slowly slumping into my chair more mm. and more and like falling asleep and mm-hmm. it was like a physical reaction to it that I couldn't overdrive even though I believed in it yeah I think I feel similarly and maybe that's what's underlying my sense that there's kind of only one right answer. It feels kind of like, okay, so this is it. There's kind of no less creativity in the treatment because it's so evidence-based. Whereas Mm -hmm. like with, um, as you're saying with depression, like there's so much um, ambiguity, which is hard for some people, but I think like you and me, we probably enjoy that Mm -hmm. piece of Mm. understanding like what's unique about this person in front of me is depression and how how could it be best addressed? And there's Mm -hmm. no one answer so yeah so so another piece of advice that I was given that I found helpful was when I was trying to decide also between medicine or family medicine and psychiatry um, I went to go meet with one of the psychiatrists I had worked with on a rotation and he was like a classic like analyst psychiatrist Mm -hmm. like he had the leather chair he had the like intense gaze actually I don't know if analysts I guess they don't usually look at you, but in this context, he had the intense gaze and the kind of sitting with silence for, like, a nauseatingly long time. Mm -hmm. Um, But he said something to me when I was talking through what I was trying to figure out, and I said, I think I'm going to do psychiatry. And and ever since I decided that, like, I just feel lighter. Like, I just feel good. And I don't know if it's the right thing, but I've just, like, been feeling really good since I made the decision. And he said that the right decisions feel better over time. Mm Mm-hmm. And I do think for me, making the decision to be a psychiatrist, it was like a surrender to the inevitable. I was like, oh, finally, I've surrendered to my fate. And like all the work I was doing of resisting it, like went away and it was lighter. Like it did feel easier. And I found that I've thought about that a lot in other times I've made decisions because sometimes the wrong decision, the more days that go by, the more anxiety filled I become. Mm -hmm. And so it is this kind of helpful test. Yeah, that's that's so interesting that you had a... I mean, hearing it, it sounded kind of like a negative um, frame of like surrendering to the inevitable versus accepting like, wow, I found this is, this is, speaks to me, to like an inner part of me that's like kind of intangible, but it's so important. Is that what it felt like for you? There was no one moment, but I think just in the day to day, there are so many interesting moments and sense of satisfaction of like, this is, this is so cool to think about and hear Mm -hmm. about and like coming home 
and and kind of just like reflecting on my day and what was going on it, it's like there's a positive aura to it yeah but I mean I think that's not to say that even though we felt like we made the right decision that every day is a positive day for I mean, sure I think yeah <laughs> even in the quote-unquote right specialty like medicine in general is a hard profession mm-hmm. and we have our moments of reconsideration or you know outright regret but just wondering about different possibilities yeah I think that that's something when you're sitting there as a third year and people are saying like what is what is your specialty okay what are you going to be when you grow up it feels like there's only one decision point and mm-hmm. after that you're on this path forever mm-hmm. which I've had lots of friends who have changed specialties yeah. so it's and we have people in our program who have changed like it's it's a reality yeah and I think yeah I think this idea that you won't regret it or that you won't have days when you think maybe you should have done something differently mm-hmm. even if ultimately it's the right decision mm-hmm. I that I for me I remember I made the decision kind of leading up to fourth year I was starting my secondary applications for psychiatry and I was on a psychiatry rotation and I was having a really hard time with that rotation and I was full of doubt like I made the wrong decision mm-hmm. or can I it was a lot of can I do this like mm. this is painful this is hard can I do this yeah and I I also think like one of the hardest things in all of medicine but especially in psychiatry is to witness such suffering and such painful stories and for me the challenge is to not try and take some of that on as my own mm-hmm. or try and like hold it for people or feel guilty when I don't feel destroyed by the story um mm-hmm. and so that whole month as I had already decided to go into psychiatry I was having a really hard time hearing people's stories and not um having it completely affect my emotional state for like several days mm-hmm. and that would so it wasn't like this is the wrong decision but it was like oh I don't think I can do this mm-hmm. like I don't think this is going to work for me um and I actually on my interviews people would say why psychiatry and I would say because you have to teach me how to stop doing this like I think you guys are the ones that can teach me how to not like take all these feelings on as they're my own because I'm I'm not going to make it if I keep doing this and they would like look at me like that's what you're saying is your reason <laughs> like like it wasn't like some pretty I was just like uh, help me like I need help and I think that you guys will like be able to figure that out that's interesting yeah you came in with some doubt about whether you would be able to make it in this profession yeah and knowing that I needed tools like I didn't have the tools yet mm-hmm. to distance myself from people's pain and I yeah. was like teach me and it actually surprised me because every single one of the interviewers I think was like oh yeah me too oh yeah they were like that's something you learn right. and like I've spent my career learning it right and I was just like oh like that shocked me I had no idea that that's something that they could all look back on and think that they also had to learn yeah and and be willing to admit it too yeah yeah so much to say about choosing a specialty so much to say (laughs) um we we could definitely spend another episode on this but big themes were the advice giving culture I think I'm realizing there's just a lack of time to kind of like process this Mm -hmm. um and, and space to process this process yes <laughs> and then of doctors like sharing their doubts and vulnerabilities about their career because I think sometimes medicine is framed as a calling and so it's like of course we have to head in without any doubts or at least come off like like that so yeah I'm glad that we're doing this here I feel like we've never talked about this no. like I knew that you were primary care and then psychiatry but like just understanding your path going through it a little more it's like 
I didn't know that. Yeah, and yours too, of uh, the doubts that you had and still overcame and you're here and like mm -hmm. very confident and doing the work and confident and full of doubts <laughs> that is, and that is okay that is okay yes <laughs> um well. thanks for hanging out with us till next time bye Thanks for tuning in. As a reminder, our views are our own. Content is for informational use only and should not be used as medical advice or substitute for therapy or psychiatric treatment. See you next time and stay curious.